We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. What's up, folks? This is Rob from the Striking Gold Podcast. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Come on. Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? Okay, That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay you when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year. Join now, and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE to activate the offer. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. And with that being said, what is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Striking Gold, 49ers pod on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for NinersNation.com. I'm joined by the man who built it all, the president and CEO of the Blue Wire Network, Mr. Kevin Jones. What's up, boss? Are you serious? I'm joined by Rob Lauder, who's coaching high school football, teaching during the day, still firing off the amazing tweets. We have one of the best 49ers content creators right now in Rob. 
I, I've been doing this a while. I've like turned into a Gary Radnich. I'm like, I can't even use Twitter anymore. I'm like an old man. And, uh, you know, my role is changing here, but I still have wise thoughts to deliver about this team in podcasting format. Um, Rob's Twitter feed is on fire. If you need to know about this team, turn his alerts on. Like that's the best way to get news these days. I appreciate it, man. I, I'm not sure I can live up to that kind of hype, but I mean, I'll, I'll do what I can. <laughs> I mean, I spend enough time there on there as is. I might as well make something of it, you know? You're impartial, like just like present the news in a really good way. Give your opinion a little bit. I'm like over the top. So this is like a good, this is a good match here. I like, I like you being the host and setting us up because it's week one. There's some buzz in the air. I've I've kind of been medium on the team. I'm not as hyped as some of the fans on Twitter and maybe some of the reporters who are there every day. Now you've had more eyes on the team, but I'm excited to break down this Bucks matchup and just some questions like surrounding this football team because it's here. It's week one. Right, right. And it's it's no longer it still is, I guess, for a few more days, but it's no longer speculation. We're here. We're not talking about training camp. We're not talking about OTAs. We're not talking about, you know, what it could be off in a couple months. It's here. And the 49ers are going to play their first game of the season um, on Sunday at Tampa Bay, playing the Buccaneers, um, an, an interesting team that will have the undeniable benefit of a new head coach in Bruce Arians. Now, obviously, Bruce Arians has been in the league for a long time. So he had the Cardinals white hot at one point. But still, there is that benefit of a brand new head coach. What new stuff they're going to bring? Nobody's going to have film on what he's doing in 2019. He's taken over a brand new team with all kinds of weapons. Uh, you know, Jameis Winston, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Uh, that whole team, OJ Howard, is going to be moving. So it's going to be interesting to see how the 49ers, ha- 49ers handle it. Now, like we were talking before the pod, Kevin. These first three games, at least the first two, are kind of like must-wins, are they not? I mean, so I look at the schedule here and like, am I crazy to say Buccaneers and Bengals are the two easiest wins on the schedule? We're not going to go week one through week 16, but like the Browns are a hard game. The Steelers are a harder game. Ravens are a hard game. Like that whole division's hard. Your own division's really hard. Um, You have to play – who Atlanta later in the year who might be good. So, I mean, I'm just looking at these two wins. Yes, they're both on the road, but like you have to go one and one. You should go two and oh, if you're a playoff team, if you go oh and two, the 49ers are sitting in a desperate spot and then they'll have at home and bye week. So yeah, Rob, I'm looking at the schedule in chunks and this is a three game season right now. The 49ers should go. If they're a playoff team, you go to Tampa, you beat Jameis Winston. I realized what happened last year. Guess what? It was last year. Ruben Foster got arrested the night before the game. It was a throwaway game. Nick Mullins, like, you have Jimmy Garoppolo. You've been preparing all offseason. I've said on previous pods, I think the 49ers will go run heavy. They'll get behind McGlinchey. There'll be some misdirection, some very easy, staple Kyle plays that everyone runs in practice, everyone's comfortable with. I, I don't think it's going to be some exotic, crazy game plan. I think they're going to rely on this O-line, who they really believe in run blocking-wise. Um, and yeah, man, if they lose this game, there's going to start to be some chirps about, oh no. And that's, that's the NFL. It's week to week. And like certain pans are going to, are going to hit the, the pan button and certain are not. But, um, you know, I, I look at this week and if they lose, they're just not going to be in a good spot. They have to prove that they can win these types of games. Right. Exactly. And I'm, I'm on the same boat. And, and to your point, if you look at the schedule, the bucks are easily, um, one of the, the the winningest, the easiest to win game, however I'm supposed to say that here, or, you know, at least in the top three, because you're looking at the Cardinals, maybe they won't be, be 
bringing a lot to the fire. Um, but it, it's got to be, and they just, they have to start out right. And anybody who's been on a football team or been around a football team or any fan out there knows that momentum is a very real thing. And winning that week one will just kind of get things off on the right foot for a 49ers team that has spent enough time slugging through injuries. The whole, the entire team minus two players are expected to be healthy for week one, which is huge. Uh, you know, there's, there's still a little bit of question marks around Nick Bosa, but if I had to, if I was a betting man, which I am, mybookie.com, let's go. Um, <laughs> if, if I was a, a betting man, I would say Nick Bosa is going to play, which I wouldn't have said that a couple weeks ago, but apparently he's just been, you know, recovering like a maniac. And maybe the injury was overstated a little bit. So with that being said, we're on to the 2019 season. I put together five questions that I feel like, one, will apply both to this game, and two, will also apply to kind of like the bigger season, a bigger picture. Okay, so the first one and probably the most obvious one in terms of how much success the 49ers are going to have in 2019 falls upon one Jimmy Garoppolo. So question number one is, can Jimmy Garoppolo put it all together? He was outstanding in 2017 when he came, when he showed up after they traded for him. Um, that's what earned him his deal. He was decent in that three-game stretch in 2018. The 49ers were actually coming back against the Chiefs. They were driving. I think they were about to pull within a score, They and uh, that's when Garoppolo tore his ACL. So it's it's really just a matter of what is 2019 going to look like. And Jimmy Garoppolo is the biggest question mark in the whole league. Like He can swing a division here if he comes out and performs, or he can put John Lynch on the hot seat if he doesn't. So there. I, I said it last pod too. I really agree with Chris Beter and some other people have said it. Six and ten is in the cards. Ten and six is in the cards. Jimmy Garoppolo really hinges that. If he's performing at a high level, he masks deficiencies of this team. He elevates a Debo Samuel. All of a sudden, the offense feels completely different. If if he's a little bit like Denver in that preseason game, it's a little herky jerky, which is. I think to be expected, 49ers fans don't want to hear it. It's more the reality. This guy has started, you know, what, less than 16 games still. I don't know the number. It always escapes me. But he has about the same experience level as Sam Darnold, as, you know, a little bit more than Baker Mayfield. He's played about a season in the league. Um, He's never gone from September to December. So I believe in the guy. I really do. But I – I think people just really need to prepare for him to not perform at a high level all the time because it's unrealistic. And so that's the pressure cooker of the whole season, Rob. Like, how can they handle – if Jimmy G plays poorly, can they still win football games? Right. Can Tevin Coleman step up? Can, are the, is Quan Alexander picking passes off? Are, you know, are they pounding you – know, are they finishing in the red zone even though Jimmy G is not leading touchdowns? Like, is the running game good down there? So there's different dynamics at play here. I think if this football team wins games despite Jimmy G, they're in a great place. I don't know if they're there yet, though. No, it's hard to say. And I I think you mentioned this in your pod uh, yesterday. It's just a matter of, is there enough experience on this team to make up for any mistakes that Jimmy Garoppolo might make? Because as much talent as Jimmy Garoppolo has shown, like you said, he's still very inexperienced. And I think, and I very well could be wrong, but I think he's at 10 games. 
because he started five for the 49ers and he started three in 2018. And then I think he started two the year before for the Patriots during Tom Brady's suspension or whatever it was. I think he even got hurt. I can't remember. Um, but I think he's at like 10 or 11 games, yeah. which is not even a full season of starting. So not only that, but you have to couple in a few things that come along with Jimmy Garoppolo. One, even when he was perfectly healthy in 2017, you could tell he was a bit of a gunslinger. Like he will attempt throws that most quarterbacks won't make, whether that is due to his his crazy quick release. He knows he can pull some of them off, or it's just he's a little bit more reckless with the ball. There were still plenty of passes in 2017 that very easily could have been picked off, and that might be picked off in 2019 because the other factor, he's still recovering from a torn ACL. And as much as I think the casual fan would want to say, Oh, well, he's a quarterback. Why would a torn ACL matter that much? He's just got to stand there and throw the ball. There are so many body mechanics at play when it comes to a throw, especially with a release as quick as Garoppolo's. There's so much torque there that gives the ball its energy and its flight. And that all starts at the feet and the legs. So he's gonna. it's going to take some time for him to build back the confidence in that lower half of his body to be able to plant those feet and rotate and rifle that ball through like he's used to doing it. I don't think it'll even take, you know, the first half of the season to get there. And I don't, but I don't think he's there yet. So there may be some throws that Garoppolo is used to completing and he's used to fitting in these tight little windows that might close up before he's able to get the ball there right now. So there's, yeah. And like, I'm thinking about Kyle too, because like, this is a big part of the discussion. Kyle essentially is the president of football operations. He makes every decision here too. He calls the plays. How much is he going to help Jimmy Garoppolo or is he going to want him to operate at a high level? How Matt Ryan struggled that first year in Atlanta, like, Hey, this is my offense. Or is Kyle going to be like, we need to pare down the offense. We need to have like 31 plays in this week instead of 74. Um, Kyle's got to be flexible. Someone in that building has got to be able to push back on Kyle. Uh, you know, the CJ Beathard thing, you can go either way. There was probably some people on his side with that. But um, I'm not saying he's too power hungry, but there's there's got to be some way here to make adjustments if Jimmy G is struggling. There, there's going to have to be that look in the mirror that Kyle wants to run this type of offense. But at the end of the day, if Jimmy Garoppolo is successful, look what happened in December of 2017. Not only does the offense play, play better, the defense does. If you're driving down the football field and the defense is resting and now they're standing up and engaged in the football game, they're getting back out there and forcing a three and out. It's, it's a whole thing with the quarterback here. The NFL has become a quarterback league. Your quarterback's performing at a high level. You're, you can make the playoffs, obviously, and you can go even further. So, I mean, we're going to go through your five questions. I wanted to get this point out because I have been sitting on it. The 49ers are doing something very interesting with these first two weeks. They are going to Youngstown, Ohio. They're not going back to Santa Clara. They're going to practice Jed York's hometown. They did this with Chip Kelly, remember? Um, I believe they practiced at like Central Florida in Orlando and then went and played in a snow game. So not the same circumstances here. I would love to see the stats on this. You know, they're, they're saying they don't want to fly back from Florida to California. They're just going to stay in the East time zone. It's interesting to do this week one, week two. I guess Kyle's saying we had training camp in Santa Clara, we can use this as a bonding trip to get away. So I, I don't hate it from that perspective. But I mean, it's an interesting choice to start the season on the road and not even be at home with your family or anything. It's kind of crazy, actually. I think it's a smart move in the fact that it just builds a level of comfort with the uncertain and the unknown. You know, the, the flying across the country and really the only, you know, 
flying across the country for an away game and really your only football there is maybe one little practice, maybe a walkthrough, and then you play. So, you know, I like the fact that they're they're building up these practices in a place where they're not used to being, you know, in an environment that they're not used to performing in. You know, everything's done at such a high level that people don't realize that where you're playing, even if it's only a state away, can make a huge difference. I mean, I was stationed in El Paso, Texas, which is really only two states away, given that El Paso is so far left in Texas. And I remember when I first got there, and at the time, I was a running machine. I used to run like three miles every day, and then I'd run like 10 on Sundays. And I got there, and I started running, and I was completely gassed. I had no idea what was going on until I finally bothered looking up what elevation El Paso was at. And it's like at 4,500 feet compared to Fresno's like two. And it was shocking to me. And now that might be a more extreme example. I'm not saying the 49ers are going to encounter that, but getting into the environment in which you're going to be playing anywhere near that makes a huge difference for an athlete's body that's supposed to be firing on all cylinders. So, you know, to me, if they win at Tampa week one, it's great. There's good vibes. Let's go to Ohio. Let's get the momentum rolling. If they lose, especially by two touchdowns and it's a dud, and now they're going to Ohio and there's a kind of a cloud hanging over them, and there's a lot of pressure. Whereas you could fly home, hit the reset button, and be like, "Fuck it, we're we're shaking this off. We're gonna we're gonna go back and get them. We're gonna get on the plane back." Like I don't know, like 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 you said, football is like this weird thing where there's a lot of energy and stuff. So I mean, that that's what that's my read on the situation. That if they lose in Tampa Bay, I would actually be really worried they could lose in in Cincinnati for this hangover effect of, of sitting at this hotel all week randomly in Ohio. You're like, where the fuck am I? <laughs> like it's, it's a weird body. So I traveled with the Browns on uh, 2014, 2015 and like was on the player schedule. Like that was, I ate when they did, I did that. The Thursday night games are really so weird. You wake up, eat a big meal. Some people work out. You, you just kind of feel weird. Like you're not on your normal schedule. And so to, to throw off the schedule early in the season, you know, I, I overreact to things, but I like to point things out. Um, Rob, get us back on topic. Get, get us to question number two. Okay. All right, man. I feel like that's a, those are all great things, though. I feel like we could talk about just those first three games for an entire 30 minutes. But, okay, so question number two. Will the secondary be another liability? It was one of the worst secondaries in the NFL last season. It set a new record for the least amount of turnovers generated, or excuse me, well, interceptions. They only had two interceptions for the first time in NFL history. Um, And interceptions don't always equate to success. You don't have to be generating interceptions to be successful. But at the same time, there's exact science that correlates creating turnovers to winning football games. That's indisputable. But the problem is is that the 49ers roster is in a state of precarity. It's walking a very, very fine line. Now, I'm not. what I'm not saying is the guys they're currently fielding are talented, and they're good football players, but there's a lot, also a lot of caveats that come with them. The starter at free safety is still kind of in question, but for now, just for the sake of argument, let's say it's Jimmy Ward, who the 49ers love, who just recently returned from a broken, broken collarbone, missed the vast majority of the pre, um, preseason and training camp. So they're fielding Jimmy Ward at free safety and Jaquiski Tart at strong safety. Both players have struggled with injuries. Jimmy Ward more, more so than Tart, but both of them have had struggles staying on the field. So right there, you have two starters who come with significant question marks. 
And then you have behind Jimmy Ward at free safety is Tarverius Moore, who's inexperienced, but he's been surging. He's He had an outstanding training camp in a matter of two weeks. He changed coordinator Robert Sala's opinion from this guy's nowhere near an NFL safety to he's in the conversation to start. And I always believed that that was fair just by what I'd seen from Moore throughout training camp. The guy was lighting it up and he was making those center fielder plays that you expect a free safety in that defense to make. You know, they're running seams with George Kittle and Tavarius Moore is coming all the way over and knocking the ball out at the last second. Plays like that. So, I don't, I don't know, Kevin, man. What, is, is this the, the team's biggest liability right here in the secondary? Maybe the safeties? I think the, the corners are a bit less, but is, the, is the, the deep secondary the team's biggest liability? Oh, man. I mean, it, it's why I am picking them to go 8-8. Eight and eight. I don't think they're going to be able to stop many quarterbacks at all. And for this football team to actually go into the season with cap room and everything and this be their secondary situation – what are they seeing? I, I don't see football the same way as like, I pray to God this doesn't happen, but if Kyle and John Lynch go bye-bye one day and there's new regime to come in, there will be leaks and stories that come out of what happened with the defensive evaluations of this football team. Who was making them? Was Is it John Lynch? Is it Salah? Is it Kyle? Is it Adam Peters? Um, you know, they, they stumbled into Nick Bosa, but I'm talking Solomon Thomas. I'm talking Ruben Foster. I'm talking ignoring the, the um the secondary like this this is adding up and like you can blame injuries you can blame this and that but you can also say your defense is not that good and you botched a lot of picks so yeah man i'm i'm pretty frustrated by the secondary anyone who's listened to my pod for a long time regularly knows i pretty much talk about this like in the middle of every podcast i'm like here we go here we go we got to talk about the secondary so i mean i love richard Sherman. I, I think he's the ultimate competitor, like borderline Hall of Famer, if he can stream together some really strong seasons to close his career. And then, um, yeah, man, like I, everyone else I'm not a huge fan of, and they already botched the Tarverius Moore situation. He should have been at free safety last year. What if he was starting this year, like, and had all these reps under his belt? Like, how many times can they mismanage a thing? Jason Verrett is hurt during August, like, shocker. Um, dude, I, I don't want to be cynical about this football team because I, I am excited. I've tweeted that they're much deeper. You can scroll through my tweets this whole year. I've praised them for a lot of stuff. The secondary is going to prevent wins from the scoreboard. I love Tart. I love Ward and Spurts. They're both amazing backups, and they both shouldn't be starting on a playoff team. Well, I think this is the one area of the team in which it's okay to be cynical. I think it's if, if there's one area where they I feel like they've really ignored – despite the fact that – and they've switched things up. And in the team's defense a little bit, which we'll get into next question, they have added a ton along the defensive line. That should take some pressure off this secondary, especially off the safeties and the deep ball. But at the same time, it's the one – one of the crucial elements of this defensive scheme, this Seattle-type scheme. And they're switching it up. Robert Saul is making his tweaks. It's not a direct – copy of what Seattle was having a ton of success with, but it still consistently relies on a single high safety. And you need a guy who's going to one, stay healthy, obviously, but two can cover the range that's needed in that defense. And can Jimmy Ward do that? Maybe, you know, he's a former first round pick. He's obviously a a freak athlete, but at the same time, is he going to be able to stay on the field? And I feel like it's also worth mentioning 
opposite Richard Sherman, who you were just talking about, is Akella Witherspoon, who has had a very up and down couple of years with the team. He has looked outstanding at some points. He's looked like horrible at some points. He's really struggled. Um, but if you really want to know, if you really want to get hyped up about Akella Witherspoon, make sure you stop by uh, Eric Crocker's Twitter timeline. If you just search on Twitter at Eric underscore Crocker slash Witherspoon, not the slash. That's not how Twitter works. It's just a space. And then put Witherspoon in there. You'll see that he has a lot of confidence in him. And that holds some weight given Crocker is a former NFL DB. But a lot of the weight is going to be on Witherspoon again because teams, you know, Richard Sherman is twice, two years removed from a torn Achilles. He's going to be, be- he's going to be better. He's going to be smoother. He's going to be on his game just like you can always assume Richard Sherman's going to be. So just like last year, they're going to throw everywhere else which includes Kwan Williams in the slot and Akella Witherspoon on the opposite end of the field. So this is a huge year for him. He's earned the starting job. Even while Verrett was healthy, I still felt like it was Witherspoon's job to lose. He had an outstanding training camp. Uh, he had an interception in all three phases of practice, one-on-ones, seven-on-sevens, and team. So he, he just looked decent. So I think a lot of the, the onus, yeah. the success of the secondary is going to come down to him. No, and I completely ignore him. Is Crocker and I, this is maybe the one thing that we really, really disagree on. Um, I don't think Akilah Weatherspoon can be your second corner on a Super Bowl team if that's what you're actually trying to build. And I think people realize early on with corners if they're they're good or not. Like you're either you're good or not. And some of them do. T- like a, there's a few fringe cases that oh, it took them three or four years for the light bulb to really come on. But most corners come into the league like they can handle their shit or they can't. And like I, I need fringe Pro Bowl players at every position on a Super Bowl team. And Akilah Witherspoon just you know he he gets burned he. The technique that they've taught there has been different, and like I think he's been through some some different DBs coaches after Jeff Halfley left. Um, he hasn't had the best circumstances, you know. I, I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he shuts me up. Like I would, I want this team to win football games. I'm just, I don't like the evaluations they've made in the secondary besides Richard Sherman, and like I'm depressed. So let's move on to question three. <laughs> You're depressed. I don't think you need to be depressed. I think we'll see. We'll see. But before, and this is a horrible segue because you can't talk about depression and then talk about razors, but we're going to, we're going to go there. Okay. A few of us on the show use Harry's razors. If you visit their website, you can check out all different shave sets and face care products. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's claim your special offer by going to harrys.com forward slash blue wire. Why try Harry's? Why give it a shot? Harry's founders were two regular guys tired of getting ripped off and paying for overpriced razors. We've all done it. You've all gone down the aisle and seen all the razors and looked at all the prices. Harry's makes quality durable blades at a fair price, just $2 a blade. Okay, that's nothing. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. This summer, refresh your wallet and your face with a Harry's trial set. It comes with weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip fly five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade for a close shave rich lathering shave gel that will leave you smelling great and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go listeners of my show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com forward slash blue wire make sure you go to harrys.com forward slash blue wire to redeem your offer let them know i sent you to help support the show so all my gentlemen out there, 
that are trying to get a good shave on, check out Harry's. I don't shave as much as you guys. I like to keep a pretty well-groomed beard, but even then, I still use razors to keep it groomed. So check that out. But no, yeah, and like no, no, no. They they do have like female products too. Like this is serious, guys. If you're a big fan of Blue Wire, even cook the page view. Harrys.com slash Blue Wire. Like see what it's all about. Um, they're, they've been riding with us since February. And like, I know these are supposed to be scripted stuff, but they're, they're a great sponsor. They took a chance on us. So, you know, show them some love, show us some love. Thank There's you. nothing scripted <laughs> about striking gold. Some of it's scripted, but seriously, check it out. <laughs> Razors are a ton of money. Right. Right. All right. So continuing on when you guys are selling online, if you're into that sort of thing, which I've done before. I've got an eBay account. I've sold plenty of stuff online. Uh, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why I need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. The number one goal. And right now, Blue Wire listeners can try, can try Strip Station free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE, B-L-U-E. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. So you're not going to get that annoying, oh, we're re-upping your stuff. It's not happening. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in blue, B-L-U-E. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. That is such a good tagline. I love it. I love it. No, I love it. And I always hear this, like, I say this too, Rob, all the time. Like, this stuff can be for your girl too. Uh, you know, your girlfriend, your senior, your wife. Um, Poshmark is a huge app right now um, where girls are selling clothes on it. You can use uh, ShipStation to sell this stuff. Like, I would appreciate my, if my girlfriend would sell some of her clothes so I could just pick up a little bit more closet space because it's getting little cramped in there no i yeah i can't believe how much clothes they buy (laughs) but like when i do buy a new outfit sometimes i do feel pretty fresh like i understand that that's a little bit of a high and like most girls don't like sports as much as we do so they need a little bit of a high sports gives us the high so like i kind of let it pass but i see what you're saying (laughs) right i'm not we're not hating we're not here to hate if my woman always walks out the door looking good so i'm not hating but all right so back to the 49ers what are this is question three? My this is also one of those hinge points for the 49ers, and it should be given the investments. What are the realistic expectations for the pass rush? Because if the 49ers defensive line slash pass rush isn't good in 2019, there are some serious problems. Because on that defensive line, we'll say defensive front, because uh, you know the outside guys are just a little little different than just normal defensive linemen, linemen. But you have five first-round picks. D. Ford, Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, Solomon Thomas. If those guys don't play well, then the team is in bad shape. Just And not even in a season perspective, in a long-term perspective. If you have that much young talent, 
I would say, you know, in D Ford's case, he's a little older. But if you have that much young talent along a defensive front and they're not playing up to expectations, that changes the outlook, the long-term outlook of a team drastically. So, you know, there's question marks in there. You know, for before we carry on, what do you, what do you think, man? What is what are we talking about here? Is this a, is this a 50 plus unit? Because 52 was was the lead in 2018. So what do you think? Is are these guys capable of at least getting 45? I don't want to put too much pressure on them. I'm a little worried about D Ford that he's been overhyped, and I worry about the Chiefs replacing him really quickly with Frank Clark. Like they 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 chose to get rid of D Ford. You know what I'm saying? Like they're saying. They're saying Frank Clark's right. better, so I, I agree with them. I'm looking at the matchup this week, looking at PFF. They're not the Bible, but they have the Buccaneers O-line as 24th. It's not in good. The league. It's not Yeah, good. so, I mean, it, it's a good litmus test early on. The D-line should be playing well. The 49ers should be able to run the football a little bit over the Buccaneers. They, they don't have too strong of a D-line, so, I mean – this is the game the 49ers should win in the trenches. They've invested in their trenches. They took a first-round pick in McGlinchey. They, they have a first-round pick in Buckner, even though that was Trent Baalke. Um, you know, yeah, but it was – Paul Thomas. Like, right. in the trenches here. With, uh, Richburg at center, he's getting healthy. Maybe you know he might not be 100% out there playing. But point is here, you should be able to beat the Buccaneers on the road with your trenches and a better quarterback than Jameis Winston. Um, I'm looking at the Bucks like Donovan Smith. They they gave him a, a big contract. He's not that good. Like I, you, you hope for Nick Bosa or someone to come around the left edge there and, and really you know create some pressure for for James Winston. So I am I'm looking at a week one thing here, like more of a, a micro version of the 49ers. You know, one week it's a week to week league, but if they come out and dominate, I'm feeling really good. If they don't, I'm kind of like, huh? Like they, this is a game the 49ers should not lose by two touchdowns i understand if they they turn the ball over a lot they came back and almost won like there could be scenarios where like okay i understand they lost they have to be competitive here and it starts with the trenches right to me. and i just yeah to that point the buccaneers offense excuse me offensive line looked atrocious during the preseason they put it they give up a lot of pressures uh to uh to james winston and a lot of that stuff, you know, the 49ers coaching staff and the 49ers defensive line has to be looking at that and salivating just a little bit. Because within those five first-round picks, you have the nucleus of, or what should be the nucleus, of Nick Bosa, D. Ford, and DeForest Buckner. You have your two edge rushers, and you have DeForest Buckner, who is an absolute maniac along the interior. So between those three guys, they should be able to have a lot of success against the Bucks, And... That is a lot of what we just talked about when it comes to the secondary is going to depend on this group right here. It is very hard to throw deep passes and take advantage of a secondary that might be a little suspect deep over the middle when you have guys like DeForest Buckner and D Ford and what will be Nick Bosa firing on all cylinders. Because make no mistake about it, if Nick Bosa is healthy, he's going to have an impact. He proved that much by just going out and given Joe Staley everything he can handle on every day of practice. So if Nick Bosa is healthy and he's on the field, but that's, that is my next little note I have here. How many games will Bosa play? Because he has, over the last four years, he's suffered two season ending injuries. He tore his ACL as a senior in high school. And then he had his core injury as a junior in college that ended his college career. And he was just such a good pass rusher that nobody cared. I mean, how often can a player suffer a season ending injury 
and then just maintain their spot as arguably the best player in that draft class. Doesn't happen very often. So he's got a ton of momentum and hype, but at the same time, he's got a lot of injuries. So how, you know, how many games is it safe to expect from Bosa? 12, 14, you know, what that's, I think how many games he plays is going to have a huge sway on how the defense plays as a whole. I totally agree. And I'm looking even further than this, just pulling up the snap counts from last year. Fred Warner played 1,060 snaps. That was 98% of the snaps. Crazy amount. Um, he had an insane amount of time. You know what I'm saying? Like, obviously, Bo- Bosa's not playing that much. He's not a linebacker, so there's going to be um, – I'm trying to scroll up here. DeForest Buckner played 852 snaps. That was 79% of the snaps. So I- I'm looking at more snap percentage than games because we can't predict injuries. But, like, I see him being questionable a lot. I see him, like, being on the injury report a lot. I don't love that from the second overall pick. You're going to have to deal with it because he's shown, like, he's a great, great player. But, you know, we'll see how his body holds up. It couldn't withstand a college season. So far, it hasn't been able to withstand an NFL practice. Even if someone's rolling up on the back of him, I don't care. He's not available to play. Like, he's just in the wrong positions. It sucks. Certain people are injury prone. So, you know, I hope at the end of the day, if this team makes the playoffs and Nick Bosa plays 16 games is like in the conversation for defensive rookie of the year, this, this win, this season was a huge, or excuse me, 2019 was a huge win. If, if Bosa's in the conversation for Defensive Rookie of the Year and the team makes the playoffs, that's the A-plus scenario. That's really all you can hope for this year. That's the biggest step. Have a defensive stud who could be like this perennial pass rusher and your team figure it out enough to like sneak in the playoffs in a competitive NFC. To me, that's best-case scenario for the whole season. Yeah, to me, if Jimmy Garoppolo is the – if he's going to be the biggest factor in the amount of success the team has this year, I think that pass rush is going to be right behind him. If that thing can fire in all cylinders and just threaten quarterbacks, mm-hmm. be a legitimate threat, then I feel like they'll be able to generate a lot more momentum moving forward, knowing that they have a lot of success or you know a, a decent amount of hype on either side of the ball. You know, there's a lot of unknowns on offense, and for that younger defense to kind of be able to put it together, and they all know what is being asked of them and what's expected of them. So for them to be able to put that on tape, put that on the field, I think will be a big deal. But all right, moving on. Question number four. Uh, still on the the theme of who's going to step up, but this time it's at receiver. Because Kyle Shanahan made it very clear throughout training camp that and throughout the preseason that he was not exactly happy with his group of receivers. And you can tell he was just a bit frustrated that one of them or two of them just hadn't quite stepped up. Now, in one person's defense, Trent Taylor was outstanding when he was healthy, all the way up until the end, until he fractured his foot. Trent Taylor was maybe the one receiver that was just consistently great, consistently targeted, consistently reeling in his passes. He was scoring most of the touchdowns. So if there was one guy that I think Kyle Shanahan would be able to hang his hat on and offer some praise towards, it was Trent Taylor. But he's hurt. He fractured his foot. He's not playing in week one. Um, But neither is another receiver in rookie Jalen Hurd, who is dealing with a back issue that today he was considered day-to-day with the injury, but now he's week-to-week. And that plays into why the 49ers kept seven receivers on the 53-man roster, which last year they kept six. The year before that, I think they kept seven um, because they wanted to hold on to Victor Bolden. Um, So I can't remember how that worked. I believe he was suspended. So anyways, 
they kept seven because they've got to deal with the fact that two of them are hurt. And the, the, like I said, the question is who steps up, who's going to be the one that stepped up. The pressure in my opinion is on Dante Pettis. He's the second year receiver who built a ton of momentum at the end of 2018. He looked outstanding. He was putting up numbers for an, in like a four or five game stretch to close the season. He was putting up like wide receiver run, wide receiver one numbers. It was impressive and he looked good, but, and I'm not yeah. going to say that this means he won't have a great season. If I had to say one way or another, I think Pettis is going to have a good season. But he was very inconsistent throughout training camp, so inconsistent that Shanahan started to voice a little bit of frustration. And it was a bit of a coaching tactic, a bit, bit of a father-son tactic, um, you know, trying to maybe criticizing him a little bit and bringing him down to size, trying to bring the best out of him. But if, if, it's, if it's up to me, I feel like the pressure's on Pettis to make that second-year step I'm not saying he's going to make a George Kittle type step where he all of a sudden he's he's threatening wide receiver and you know yards in a season record, but he needs to make a pretty big step to where he can be that go go to receiver while the other younger players around him start to bring it up. What do you think, man? Oh yeah, man. So the passing game to me is just Kyle's. He's he's so good at it. Obviously, he's good at the running schemes too. But how much is he going to be able to manipulate defenses? It's year three. How comfortable is everyone? How much is Tevin Coleman going to be involved in the passing game? Is Juszczyk going to be more of a second tight end? Why do they have four tight ends on the team right now? Um, <laughs> well, I'm not, there, there's a lot of questions that are going to be answered. Jimmy Garoppolo's performance depends a lot on the receivers as well. Um, you know, I I think I said last pod, Debo and Dante Pettis need to combine for 135 catches and like, you know, uh, 2,000 yards, probably more than that. And like 11 touchdowns, one of these guys can dominate. That's fine. Like one can become the alpha. Maybe they share it from week to week. Both of them are going to have to make a big impact this year if the team wants to make the playoffs. And I think they will in spurts, but can they for 16 games? And that's where I keep honing back on experience. This team is relying on a lot of second and third year players. People who have never been to the playoffs before. December is going to be a crazy ass schedule. You're just asking a lot of this football team that was completely stripped to the studs two years ago that has missed on draft picks that that really doesn't have a good secondary. So, um, yeah, man, the passing game, we'll see. Like I said last last pod too, Richie James could really like edge out Trent Taylor here if he comes in and is like making plays against the Bucks. Like he, if Trent Taylor can't play, um, there could be some shuffling of some pieces here. At the end of the day, it's who Jimmy Garoppolo has chemistry with. He did have chemistry with Trent Taylor in 2017. Remember Marquise Goodwin? He fucking dominated with Jimmy G. So it's it's really like I can't wait for it to come. We've got to analyze what happens week one. We've conjectured for the last like seven months. It's For me, the receivers are almost the hardest thing to predict of what's going to happen. They could be amazing. They could be average. I I can see some below average moments from them too. Overall, the unit has gotten a lot better. So, I mean – They've addressed it. They've spent second round picks, so I like you, you praise them there. But maybe could one of those second round picks have been a safety instead that you feel a lot better about? And then you acquired a receiver another way. I know you, you were high on Allen Robinson. We disagreed on, on that. The team might be better with him right now. So um, receiver, let's let's wait and see. I, I I'm sick of talking about it. Like we're just gonna have to see how they play. All right. So our last and final question for tonight. That both has implications for the season 
and implications for week one. Can Kyle Shanahan lead this group to a successful season? Now, answering that question kind of depends on your own point of view and what you consider successful. To me, given where they were last season and the, the amount of struggles that they went through, I think eight and eight should be considered like the floor. Anything less than that, to me, is not a successful season. Now, of course, in the old NFL ways of thinking, 8-8 eight and eight is not a successful season. Jeff, Jeff Fisher taught us that. It's not a successful season. But it still, in my eyes, shows improvement, development. The team is learning to win. Okay, you, you know, for a team to go from where they were last year all the way up to playoff contention or earning a playoff spot doesn't happen often. It's not exactly realistic, but it's attainable. It's just not common. So to me, an eight and eight season is kind of showing a, an improvement. And you know what? But most people don't realize is an eight and eight season is only a couple. Sometimes is only a couple plays away from ten and six. That just makes the difference between you know teams that go all the way. So can Kyle Shanahan lead this group? We know that he is respected in the locker room. Every player I've ever spoken to has had nothing but outstanding things to say about Shanahan. Now, of course, they're going to have good things to say about their coach. But there's been nothing that I've ever seen that would show Kyle Shanahan has a lack of control over this group, despite the fact that he's a brand-new head coach. That was kind of my biggest question mark coming in. He's never been a head coach. Can he maintain control? Can he instill the atmosphere and the environment that he wants? And I feel like he's done that. Um actually quite well. You know, the, the locker room seems like it's a really good locker room. We know his play calling is elite, but it's a three-phase game. How are the special teams going to be, and how is the defense going to hold up? The defense have a lot has a lot more questions, question mark, than the offense does. So, I mean, it, it just, it all depends on if he can take all the aspects of being a head coach. We know he's a play caller. Can he take all the aspects of being a head coach and narrow the focus and turn them into a successful season? I think he's a, he's a good head coach, very good, and borderline great. He's got to prove. I agree. I think that the player evaluations, he's actually in over his head, and he's starting to realize it a little bit. And so there's three scenarios to me that can happen. A, what we all want to have happen, they go 10-6, and six, which is either could win the division because the Rams could slide a little bit, or at worst is a wild card. Everyone's thrilled with that. Eight and eight to me is realistic with what's going to happen, just given the experience of the team. And then, like you said, anything lower than eight and eight is unacceptable. If it's seven and nine and they battled injuries, you're going to be okay with it. If it's six and 10 or below, it will be on Kyle. Is he going to drop John Lynch? It would would seem drastic. It seems like they're on the same page. Would it just be him saying, we have to get a better player evaluator in here? Will John Lynch take a different role? To me, if they go six and ten, five and eleven, four and twelve, those questions will be asked behind closed doors with Jed York and Kyle. They're going to have to ask the tough questions. They're running a company. It's called the 49ers. It's not having as much success. They're going to have to look at a major change philosophically. And so, if they go worse than seven and nine, John Lynch will squarely be on the hot seat, even though it's it's not fully his fault, but. Kyle's in control here. He can say, I need to coach a football team. I shouldn't be this involved in player evaluations. We've missed a lot. I need I need a true, experienced player evaluation vet. And people will want Scott McClune. I don't think it will be him. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know who it will be. But you could see a traditional GM scouting type brought in. You could see John Lynch take a different role. 
that to me is all on the table if they if they blow this season, which is is it's on the table, guys. I hate to say it. Right. I, I mean, I think that might be getting a little ahead of ourselves, but they very well could go that route. You know, we're talking about the season as a whole, and if it doesn't go as planned, that could definitely be the route it takes. Um, I've always thought of John Lynch as more of a, a vice president and a football ops type of guy, some guy that, you know, maybe – you know, cuts his teeth as a GM, but then takes a step up and starts kind of leading the franchise as a whole and taking a lot of stuff off Jed York's plate. So that's, I've always kind of envisioned him in that role and whether Adam Peters is the one that steps up or, or like you mentioned, plenty of other candidates, but we'll see that's, that's out there, but that kind of wraps it up for now. We're hitting our time limit here, which is always a good thing. We always appreciate bringing you guys content, but week one, the week one in the 2000 NFL season, 2019 NFL season starts tomorrow. Say it again. Say it again. again. Week one and the 2019 NFL season starts tomorrow. The Green Bay Packers are playing the Chicago Bears. And then the 49ers play Sunday. And after Sunday, Sunday afternoon, late Sunday, we're going to know a lot more about this team. It's not going to be presumptions anymore. It's not going to be question marks. We'll have real takeaways from the 49ers' first game of the season. But – with that being said, I'm pumped. I, I'm pumped too, man. I'm pumped. It's it's going to be real now. It's no longer presumptions. We're just we're making real real takeaways now. But I'm pumped. And like if they if they win this game 28-17 and go out and look like a real football team, I am going to give them praise. And I you know I believe in this football team, but I'm realistic about this football team, and I just see a, a little more holes maybe than some other people do. And like I want this team to to prove the doubters, aka me, wrong. Um, no, Rob, this is great, man. We're going to get Croc back on this podcast. He's moving this month. We're getting him a new microphone. Um, Croc's going to be crushing it on Twitter, as will Rob, during the game. Um, no, man, striking gold. We we had our most listened to month in August, so I appreciate all the listeners, all the new ones you brought in, Rob. It's been fun. Expect a lot more episodes like this. Right, and to Kevin's point on the episode thing, we're going to be bringing you two episodes a week. One that's going to be recapping recapping the game that just happened um, earlier that week, and one that kind of previews the game that's coming up. Um, usually Kevin will be doing the recapping. Croc and I will, will be doing the previews, but at the same time, we have all three of us. We'll be mixing it up. Sometimes I won't be there. Sometimes Croc won't be there. Sometimes it'll be Kevin and Croc. Sometimes it'll be Kevin and me. Sometimes it'll be me and Croc. There's just so much going on with this podcast and with the Blue Wire Network that it's it's hard not to be excited about it. Um, what, but we're, it's, it's time for us to wrap it up. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate every single one of you that are tuning in right now. You're the only reason that we can do this. But for another episode and another week, this is Striking Gold signing off. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.